in brief, insolvency litigation proceedings in Australia. Education, Australia, insolvency. How would you describe the general climate surrounding insolvency litigation in your jurisdiction? What are the most common sources of dispute? To what extent is litigation used as a pressure or delay tactic? Insolvency litigation is ubiquitous in Australia, with the most common sources of dispute falling into three categories. Proceedings by creditors seeking to force a debtor into liquidation or bankruptcy, while invariably brought in the hope that the debtor will be pressured to pay, such proceedings can generally only be brought in respect of undisputed debts. It is, however, not unheard of for debtors to defend such proceedings as a delay or negotiation tactic. Disputes regarding the beneficial ownership of, and security interests in, assets held by an insolvent debtor, these claims often turn upon general law principles not limited to insolvency, but are by their nature of most relevance to a debtor that cannot otherwise pay their debts. Proceedings brought by a liquidator or bankruptcy trustee to recover assets for the benefit of the insolvent estate, either by recovering assets dissipated to third parties or, in the case of corporate insolvency, by pursuing a breach of duty or insolvent trading claim against a company director with the goal of having them held liable for some of their company's losses. What key sources of law form the basis of claims arising from insolvency? How does the insolvency regime interact with other laws? Personal insolvency is governed by the Bankruptcy Act 1966, 100th, and Bankruptcy Regulations 2021, 100th. Corporate insolvency is governed by the Corporations Act 2001, 100th, and Corporations Regulations 2001, 100th. Other aspects of Australian law that often arise in insolvencies include the following. In the case of debtors who are trustees, common law principles are applied, rather than the insolvency laws, to determine what rights, if any, the insolvent debtor and its creditors have to that property. In respect of security interests in the property of a debtor, different regimes apply in respect of interests in real property, which are principally governed by a mix of common law principles and state-based land title legislation, and interests in personal property, which are principally governed by the Personal Property Securities Act 2009, 100th. What procedural rules govern insolvency litigation in your jurisdiction? What common procedural hurdles arise in practice? Insolvency litigation is governed by the rules of the court in which the matter is being heard. While each court has its own different procedural rules, in the case of corporations litigation, including corporate insolvency, there is a degree of harmonization by way of a set of uniform corporations rules applied across all superior courts when exercising corporations' jurisdiction. A common procedural hurdle relates to companies that traded as a trustee of a trust, being a commonly used structure for tax reasons, where it has been held that the liquidator will generally have no power to deal with a company's assets unless they obtain court orders appointing them as receiver of the trust, see McLean v. Hill, in the matter of TMC Plumbing and Drainage Proprietary Limited, in LIC, 2019, FCA 1439 as a separate application to the court is generally required to obtain such orders, it gives rise to both costs and delays. Which courts hear insolvency claims? How experienced are they with insolvency litigation? 
personal insolvency matters can be heard in either the federal court or the federal circuit court. While their jurisdiction is concurrent, it is generally the case that larger and more complex proceedings are brought in the federal court, while simpler matters are brought in the federal circuit court, as it is lower in Australia's judicial hierarchy. In relation to corporate insolvency, most matters, including all applications to bring about an involuntary insolvency, must be brought in either the federal court or in state supreme courts, with those courts having a concurrent jurisdiction and being equivalent in Australia's judicial hierarchy. But some purely monetary claims available to liquidators can be brought in lower courts so long as the claim is within that court's usual jurisdictional limit for money claims. Where an insolvency proceeding relevantly overlaps with a family law proceeding, the Family Court of Australia can also exercise jurisdiction in either personal or corporate insolvency. There are no specialised insolvency courts in Australia but, within the superior courts, insolvency matters are typically case-managed separately from other litigation by judges with appropriate expertise. Through what law do the relevant courts have jurisdiction to hear insolvency claims? Does jurisdiction differ for domestic and cross-border matters? Section 1337B of the Corporations Act empowers the federal court and state supreme courts to deal with matters arising under the corporation's legislation. Section 27 of the Bankruptcy Act gives the federal court and the federal circuit court jurisdiction over bankruptcy matters. Section 10 of the Cross-Border Insolvency Act 2008, 100th, also gives the Federal Court and the Federal Circuit Court jurisdiction in cross-border insolvencies under the Uncitral Model Law on Cross-Border Insolvency, save that in personal insolvency, only the Federal Court is given jurisdiction. What limitation periods apply to bringing insolvency-related claims? Are there any notable exceptions? While the precise limitation periods vary depending on the cause of action, the most common limitation period in Australian law is six years. Most insolvency-related claims can be brought within six years of the commencement of the insolvency, though that commencement may be deemed to be a date earlier than the liquidator or the bankruptcy trustee's actual appointment. A notable exception applies in corporate insolvency, where most claims to recover assets, or the value of assets, transferred by the company in the lead-up to its insolvency must be brought within three years unless a proceeding is brought before then seeking an extension of time. What interim remedies are generally available and commonly deployed in insolvency proceedings? How are these used as part of claimants' overall litigation strategy? In involuntary insolvencies, there is provision for a petitioning creditor to seek interim relief taking control of a debtor's property pending the determination of the proceeding. While not unheard of, in practice this is relatively rare, if there is a well-founded fear that a debtor may dissipate assets then that is more commonly dealt with by freezing orders in general law proceedings to vindicate the creditor's underlying claim, which would typically occur well before any insolvency proceedings. What rules and procedures govern the collection and admissibility of evidence in insolvency litigation? To what extent is expert witness testimony allowed? What common evidential issues should claimants be aware of? While not yet adopted by all Australian jurisdictions, a Uniform Evidence Act has been adopted by the federal government and by Australia's largest states, such that it applies to most insolvency litigation. 
expert witness testimony is widely used in insolvency litigation, particularly in providing a retrospective assessment of a debtor's solvency. A common issue arising is that, in Australia, solvency is assessed on a cash flow basis rather than a balance sheet basis. This means that proving a company's solvency or insolvency generally requires a broad examination of many factors, rather than a mere examination of its balance sheet, which can be very difficult in practice. Australian courts can order public examinations, a court process where the examinee gives evidence, of company officers, and others who can talk to the examinable affairs of the company. Such examinable affairs include, but are not limited to, exploring potential claims and recoverability. The court can also order the production of documents to be made. These processes can take place before litigation is started, and are thus powerful tools in the hands of a liquidator, and some others, to gather evidence, which often leads to an early settlement of claims. A similar process exists in personal bankruptcy proceedings. What is the typical time frame for insolvency claims? Applications for the involuntary insolvency of a company are usually dealt with expeditiously, and within a matter of months even when opposed. However, there is a greater degree of leniency and tolerance for delay shown in respect of personal debtors, such that bankruptcy proceedings may be much slower if defended. Where insolvency has occurred and claims are brought by a liquidator or bankruptcy trustee against third parties, those claims are dealt with by the courts in much the same way as any other claim by a litigant in Australia and progress at the same pace. Simple defended matters may be dealt with in a matter of months, while especially complex matters can take up to several years. What are the requirements to appeal insolvency-related judgments? What is the typical time frame for appeals? Insolvency-related judgments are generally subject to the same requirements and time limits for appeals as any other judgment in the court in which they were made, such that those requirements and limits vary from court to court. However, generally, appeals are typically required to be brought within 21 or 28 days of the original judgment, though in some courts that period may be extended by serving notice of an intention to appeal. How are costs handled and how are claims funded? Can claimants obtain third-party funding to finance the prosecution of claims? Costs in insolvency proceedings are dealt with in a similar loser-pays fashion to ordinary litigation. In that respect, claims in personal bankruptcy, and some corporate insolvency claims, are brought on behalf of the insolvent estate in the name of the appointed insolvency practitioner personally such that they may be personally liable for costs ordered, and in those corporate insolvency claims that do not have the liquidator as a party, the court will commonly order as a condition of the claim progressing that the liquidator put up a sum of money as security to ensure the defendant may recover costs if the claim fails. For relatively strong and straightforward claims, it is common for the claims to proceed without funding, with lawyers acting on the basis that they are only to be paid out of any recovery, and the insolvency practitioner accepts the risk of personal liability for the defendant's costs. In respect of larger and more complex claims, third-party litigation funding is commonly used, in respect of which Australia has a thriving market. However, in corporate insolvency, it is generally a requirement that the approval of creditors or the court be obtained before any third-party funding agreement is entered into.